Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast that takes an in-depth look at the films of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host Sean Malloy and today is another special interview episode where I had the privilege of speaking with writer, director, and producer Daniel Zarilli. But before we get to the discussion, I wanted to remind you all that if you're not subscribed to the show, please do so. Also, please feel free to leave a review for the show, especially those five-star reviews. Those always help. Uh, Also, please check out the Facebook page for the show, I Must Break This Podcast. Here you'll be able to be kept up to date on all the latest news regarding the show, the career of Dolph Lundgren, and just other news pertaining to action cinema in general. So with that out of the way, now on to today's episode. On today's episode, the discussion surrounding Dolph's latest film, Acceleration, continues. This time with one of the directors of Acceleration, Daniel Zarilli. Zarilli directed this film alongside Michael Marino, and it's sure to be another dose of high-octane action with an all-star cast of tough guys, including Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, Chuck Liddell, Curtis Rampage Jackson, and many more. In this film, Lundgren goes back to playing the bad guy once again as Vladek, a mob boss who kidnaps the son of one of his operatives and assigns her with a list of impossible tasks in exchange for her son. So tell me, how's that reimbursement program coming along? Good? I'm working on it. In this business, there is no room for mistakes. In your wrong turn, and innocent people can pay the price. These treats and five tasks stand between me and seeing my son again. Do the job, and you get your son back. Tick tock. Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. How you doing, buddy? We're gonna play a game. So you and I, we're gonna do a little bang bang. Get out of here, man. There's nothing here for you. Word has it you're on a quest. I'd rather not be. Hey, your kid ain't here. You know, quests can be life-changing. This could be life-ending. I need you to do me one favor. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Don't beg. How do I know you haven't already killed You don't. Zarilli is an accomplished writer, director, and producer in the action genre who's been extremely prolific over the years, constantly working and making the independent action films that we all love and enjoy. 
and this discussion Zerillion iChat acceleration, filming in Thailand, the filmmaking process in terms of financing and directing, and what he has coming up here in the next year. We also chat two more films of his that are due to be released at some point in this year. Uh, one is called Hollow Point, starring an all-star cast as well. Uh, this one includes Luke Goss, Jay Moore, Michael Pere, and many more. The other film is Invincible, which stars Johnny Strong and Marco Zarrar. Uh, with regard to Hollow Point, this film in particular has actually won quite a few awards as it's hit a number of uh, festivals around the world. So this is one that uh, should definitely be on everyone's radar. Uh, it also should be noted that this conversation actually happened back in June of this year, but the details surrounding acceleration were still being kept somewhat under wraps, uh, which at the time definitely added to the anticipation and mystery of the film. But now that acceleration is finished, uh, is out of the post-production phases, and it's currently waiting a release, also it helped that we got the approval of Natalie Byrne, who is the film's star and producer, and who was actually on a previous episode of the show, it seemed like a good time to finally release our conversation. In fact, acceleration is slated for a release on November 8th, it is getting a limited theatrical release, and it's also going to be on video on demand, uh, all courtesy of Cinedyne. Also, please feel free to follow Mr. Daniel Zarilli on Instagram. You can follow him at Daniel Zarilli, and uh, you can be kept up to date on all the latest news regarding his career and his uh, projects in the action genre. So, without further ado, is my conversation with director Daniel Zarilli on I Must Break, this podcast. Well, first of all, uh, now, so last time we spoke, you said that you were, uh, you were in Thailand. Is that right? Do you, do you also reside there, or do you, or were you on location for a film? Yeah, so I, I was on location for a film, and I have several films there. I, I do have a condo uh, there at the beach in Thailand. I've been making movies there for about seven or eight years, and I have two or three as part of the slate and decided just to – you know, I was going to be there for like six months anyway, so I just decided to to get a lease a condo, and it's you know very beautiful and right on the beach, and I love it. So I decided to keep it. But right now I'm currently in LA. I just got back from Cannes, um, but I kind of travel a lot, as you can see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you do a lot of uh, a lot of independent film, and I, I mean, I'm I'm curious how does how does producing and directing a film in Thailand compare to you know doing one in Hollywood? Yeah, I mean, I prefer right now to work in Thailand because I have amazing stunt crew over there and just incredible production value. The locations are epic. Um, obviously, we shot Acceleration in Hollywood. Um, and I've shot, and funny enough, I shot another movie called Hollow Point also in L.A., which rarely, I, I've been shooting outside of L.A. for, I don't know, for almost 10 years because in the beginning, um, I, I directed hundreds of music videos, and we shot in L.A. all the time and other places as well. But then because of the tax incentives, et cetera, I've been shooting in Mississippi and Louisiana, um, places like that, and Canada, um, Winnipeg, for the tax incentives. So, But what I found in Thailand is even with the tax incentives, the production value versus how much you spend in other places with tax incentives i just get more out of thailand so i still I, i'm always like with the financial structure of making movies they're always saying is there a tax incentive are there rebates and stuff but my argument is that i get three times the production value in thailand by just 
paying regular rates. And um, that being said, um, they do have a tax incentive there for productions over $2.5 million, but I've been obviously doing it once under, under that. Um, so anyways, but I still prefer shooting in Thailand, but I'm open to whatever there's, we're talking about doing some things in South Africa and I've been to Grenada a couple of times. I helped start a film commission down there with, um, with, with a friend of mine who took me down there a few times and helped sort of, it's still, it's sort of in the works, but, um, in the Caribbean, I shot in the Bahamas as well. So, I mean, I guess I shoot all over the place, but the bottom line is right now, if you ask me where I prefer to shoot, it's Thailand. Well, I mean, and you have been, uh, you've been directing and producing films, uh, within the action genre, you know, for, for, for quite a, quite a good while now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, I'm curious, um, you know, because the, the market, especially with, uh, with regard to independent action cinema, has changed drastically um, within the past 10, 15 years. Are they, I mean, are, are they more difficult to make nowadays, or do you find yourself um, kind of coming upon the same problems that you did 10 years ago? How would you say the market has changed? I mean, for me, it's great. I, what I do, you know, I kind of, you know, I've... I kind of do a lot of movies between in the one to two million dollar range, um, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, and with technology and kind of my chops after all this time, I think I'm getting tons of production value on small budgets, so relatively small. Um, and, you know, I have a certain, since I've made so many, so many action movies, you know, people rely on me to do that. And it's something that's, um, that's been successful. So, so although it's harder for people, I think, that are used to doing five, ten, twenty million dollar um, movies to go back down because the market is squeezed a little bit and do smaller one to two million dollar movies, it's sort of what I cut my teeth on, you know, coming up from music videos and and kind of knowing production for twenty five years now. I I am a little bit old. I'm in my fifties, but um, you know, I've been a director for half my life, so I think with technology, with cameras, with posts, with everything, it's easier in a lot of ways to tell stories and shoot action if you know how to do it. Well, and it seems like nowadays, at least, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like it's the streaming services that are kind of driving the business in a sense, like Netflix and Prime and Hulu. Does this make yes. it easier or are you able to are you able to thrive much more so in this particular environment? Or how, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you, you know, I've been fortunate enough to to work consistently ever ever since I started my company, um, Pop Art, and actually started in 1990 um, through music videos into, into films. Um, and so w- within the space that I work, there's lots of work. So I, you know, I, I directed three movies. I, I directed with Michael Marino, um the acceleration, but the other two I directed solo. Um, so, you know, I did three movies in the span of a year, um, and which was hollow point, um, acceleration and, um, invincible, um, as a director. And then interestingly enough, I, I wrote about five or six scripts, um, over the last two years because, um, I had a bigger movie and it's still called the gun runner, um, with a budget of like 17 million. And we're still casting that and, the producers, financiers asked me not to do these one to three million dollar movies anymore. They're trying to get me to the sort of next level cast. So for about a year, I stopped directing purposefully um, and just wrote screenplays and produced some little stuff. But um, and so, I mean, I guess 
of course, you know, every independent filmmaker, you're always looking to put financing in your next project together. But, um, you know, I've been pretty much doing three or four films a year for the last decade, at least. Um, and I, you know, I've done 60 or 70 movies overall as a producer, a director, a writer. Um, so somehow in my space, it's working. Um, I'm not sure, you know, the, the, the business at large, I think is changed a little bit. And I would say that the thing that I'm seeing more than anything is that there is pressure to get names and paid name actors, um, more money and the productions less money. So whereas before I'd do a million dollar movie and, you know, whatever, a uh, hundred thousand or 150,000 would go to cast. Now you do a million dollar movie and sometimes the cast budget is 400,000. So I know that's very specific, but the bottom line is that there is a pressure on getting bigger names and doing the budgets for less. And I've sort of adapted to that by, you know, shooting in Thailand for one, or just kind of being savvy about how, how to shoot action movies and, and I write them to be shot, you know, and the, again, the plus million dollar budget level. And one of the things, I mean, the only thing I think would help me step up to the next level of cast is the cast. I mean, level of budget is cast. So the production process I have down, I have it from A to Z. I understand it. And I shoot these movies sometimes in 15 days. So, you know, there's, you know, of course, would I like more time? Yes. Would I like bigger budgets? Yes. But that being said, I'm not sitting around crying. I go out there and make movies. And right now, I think I'm making some of my best movies. Um, Invincible, you know, is probably my best movie. I'm in post right now. I mean, again, there's things that I've done that are different from Invincible, like Crossing Point is another movie. Speaking of Netflix, that's on Netflix. Should be on Netflix right now. Um, that I think is solid as well. Let's, you know, I've I've made movies that sometimes they're their jobs, unfortunately, just being straightforward about it. And then other other times I've made movies where I'm just I'm loving it. It's exactly what I want to do. And, you know, the movies that I made, Hollow Point and Invincible, are definitely fit into that category and acceleration. Unfortunately, like I said, I can't talk too much about it. Um, but we can talk a little bit about it. But, but most of my, you know, a lot of my movies end up on Netflix, yes, um, Amazon, et cetera. I mean, I just... Somebody just sent me the key art for Hollow Point um, for Amazon UK, which um, which has got Luke Goss and Jay Moore and Delon Jay and Juju Chan and Michael Pere and Bill Duke and uh, uh, Guinevere, Roger G. Uh, G. Smith, um, Kirk Fox, etc., and Natalie Byrne. So, you know, I, it's always fun and interesting when, you know, Amazon UK or something is does their own key art, so the poster is totally different. Um but a sort of a long-winded answer to your question, I guess, is that um, I'm in a I'm in a budget space that's a little bit above the sort of um, you know grinding out totally indie, and I'm definitely way below the studios. So I think streaming and Netflix and Amazon and Hulu that's a perfect space for me and my 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 budget levels and in the movies that I'm doing now. That doesn't mean that it's all. That's all I'm going to do, all, all I want to do. But I'm very happy making movies, you know, all over the world, particularly Thailand, um, in this one to $2 million range. Wow. Now, you – okay, so you've already kind of touched upon it. But, yeah, you got your start directing directing music videos. How did yeah. how did that experience lead you into directing films? So I, um, I went to Pepperdine um, in Malibu, and 
I thought I was going to be a lawyer when I came up from, I grew up in La Jolla and, and I got into LA and I started a band and started dating actresses and, you know, basically cruising around on my Harley with Mickey Rourke and getting in sort of the LA scene and literally scheduling my, my, uh, my classes around like what clubs there were. So I, I went a little crazy in LA, you know, as a party seamster, I had, had nightclubs. I, I do I'd promote nightclubs and stuff. And so I had two nights a week, I had clubs. I went basically went the total opposite direction of being a lawyer. Not that I was doing anything illegal, but I basically, you know, got an entertainment business. I knew nobody in it. But one of the things that I did take was uh, screenwriting. So my major is speech communication and creative writing. And so I took a lot of screenwriting classes, and that segued from writing a screenplay to getting a job at the Culver Studios lot. Um, and so I kind of worked my way up from the bottom um, and started working um, for a music video company. And... Um, Eventually, I started representing the music video directors and producing them, producing them and acquiring them from record companies. And then I did that for two years for a company. And then I went and did another, did it again for another company for six months. And I'm like, what the hell am I, you know, I'm generating all the work and doing most of the heavy lifting. So I started my company, Pop Art, in 1990 and started with, a, you know, basically did it, directed a music video from one of my own songs and from my band. And that got me my first directing gig for another. And then, it, you know, that was 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000. And in um, 1992, um, I was fortunate enough to connect with the Rolling Stones. And I produced the Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge CD-ROM. So I did five different shoots with the Stones. And then after that, Michael Jackson's company called me. And I started doing, like, documentaries for Michael Jackson. And that's something that I that at some point I'm going to talk more about. But I shot some very specific documentaries for, for Michael Jackson about choreography. So I, I, in music videos, I was cranking them out. I was doing 30, 30 a year. And, um, you know, so that part really um, worked well. I mean, right, right from school to running these companies and then starting my own, that part was, was I don't want to say easy, but that transition made, you know, really worked for me. Okay, so from, from music videos, you know, obviously you want to tell longer stories than three minutes, three and a half minutes. So after doing literally hundreds of music videos, primarily directing but also producing for other directors, I wanted to tell long-form stories. And I had a bigger movie that really got close to kind of getting A-list cast and going on the sort of higher-level trajectory that for two years I worked on it. And it make a long story short, the producer, financer, ended up going into reality TV instead of doing feature films. So I could totally name drop on who the cast was, but I'll just keep that on the down low for now. But so okay. I kind of, instead of like kind of going from the the music business close to the top, segueing into making bigger films, I kind of had to go back to my roots of um, making smaller, you know, a smaller movie. My first movie was called Winner Takes All, and I, basically got, you know, rounded up a bunch of the rappers that I worked with, um, Be Real from Cypress Hill, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Rappin' Forte, AMG, Domino, like these platinum rappers that I had done music videos for and shot kind of a gangster movie called Winner Takes All, an urban gangster movie. And that, when I shot that for 500 grand, and that was sort of my, my um, you know, stepping stone into to features. And then uh, at a certain point, um, uh, Grindstone Lionsgate. Um, uh, I started working with them, and 
they wanted to do an action slate um, of movies that I directed and produced. And so they gave me a four picture slate, um, maybe eight, nine years ago. And the first one I directed is called Lockdown with Vinnie Jones and Kimbo Slice and Rashad Evans and Bai Lang and a bunch of the UFC fighters. And then, um, and that was very successful. And then I did another one called Circle of Pain um, and then produced two other ones under that slate. One was House of the Rising Sun with, with Dave Bautista and Dave Bautista was the second movie. And obviously he's kicking ass right now in Marvel in the Marvel world, et cetera. But um, yeah, so, so, you know, I did a bunch of action movies and then kind of the way that worked was, you know, I like music videos. I had sort of a, an operation going where I could generate lots of movies like I did music videos. So, you know, out of the, from those four scripts, I basically, I'm sorry, I wrote like 10 treatments with my co-writers. We narrowed it down to five screenplays and we've made four out of five of those movies. Um, a lot of my work is self-generated. Um, sometimes, you know, a client or a studio will give me an idea of the genre that they want to work with. But primarily, I do a lot of pitching and writing, you know, treatments and synopsises and and uh, and developing screenplays and scripts. And that's I think that's why I've been prolific in making many movies is because I respond to the market and kind of reverse engineer to the action market right now. And I've been focused on that for almost a decade now. And I love I love those movies. I mean, of course, I do want bigger budgets and bigger cast and everything. But you know, some of the smaller quote, smaller name actors that I'm working with are quite solid, um, particularly, like I said, Invincible, uh, Mark Rezor and um, Johnny Strong. Johnny Strong is the lead of that, and Mark Rezor is sort of the bad guy with a little bit of a twist in there. Um, but <laughs> those guys are super, they're not as famous as, you know, some of the other people I work with, but they're kick-ass. And I think they're, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of interesting talent out there, and I want to cu- kind of continue to mix like up and coming actors with, you know, with no more names, which the market does, you know, the market sort of demands, you know, cast like acceleration has great cast for, you know, this level budget, for example. Now, do you, do you have a preference over screenwriting, directing or producing, or do you like to uh, work in all of those various areas? I mean, I, I'm primarily a director who writes and develops a lot of my own material and I produce out of necessity. So I, I consider myself primarily a director, but I turn down projects and I don't direct everything, nor do I want to. So I've produced more movies than I've directed on purpose. Um, so, and then I do enjoy writing and I, and I like the post-production process. So right now my setup is, you know, I'm, I'm working for a couple months writing and, you know, writing screenplays while I'm editing um, the movies that are in the can. And then I go out, go into battle and shoot for, you know, a month or six weeks or whatever it ends up being pre-production, sometimes two months total turnaround. So I like to go shoot movies and then go back and write and, and get into post. Now, maybe you can maybe you can help me understand this, because uh, I've always wondered this, okay? As a producer... How much control do you have over the film when it is filming and in production? That's a good question, and it really depends on the financer. So, for example, Invincible I just did, I had a financer, executive producer, that literally gave me the money and let me make my movie. So, make my movie. So, that's probably why I think it's the best movie I've made, 
because I was allowed to do exactly what I wanted. So whether it's successful or a failure, I take total responsibility for it because I was given the money and I went out and made my movie. So in that particularly, I love to work that way. It, it rarely happens though. So, um, I mean, a lot of times there's a parameter involved with, you know, it, you know, like anything, the financer or the person, you know, or the studio is the one that has a lot of power over it. So, you know, I play nice with others and I could work with, you know, strict executive producers or, um, or, you know, studios or whatever. And I mean, lockdown is a prime example of that. I, although I directed and produced and co-wrote it, whatever I had very strict line producer, um, from the person who was financing it. So at 12 hours every day, they'd literally unplug the lights. So, you know, and I'm really good at, you know, keeping on schedule and not burning out the crew and everything, but literally like they would turn the light off, you know, they would unplug it, shut the generator down after 12 hours, plus maybe 30, 30 minutes for lunch or whatever. But so, you know, that was very strict. And, and in that, you know, in the certain, genre I have, you know, there's there's a structure in which, you know, there's eight to ten action sequences, you know, hand-to-hand, gunplay, you know, parkour type stuff. So there's a very kind of rigid structure in which, you know, of telling stories, particularly action stories. And, and so I have to adhere to delivering that, that structure. Um, but for the most part, you know, I have a lot of control when I'm directing a movie. Um, but, you know, sometimes I obviously have to follow other people's rules and, and money talks. So I have to do what the financer wants. And then sometimes I get the freedom to do whatever I want. But I still need to deliver a film. And I'm very responsible as sort of a director, producer. And I don't want to always produce the things that I direct. But one of the things that I do keep in mind is the budget and the, and the schedule and I can't I can't afford to be a diva and get stuck on one amazing shot for my reel to the ruin of the rest of the movie or the rest of the day. So I have to be practical as well. And um, you know, so I guess the things are hand in hand producing and direct and when I say I'm producing, I still like when I do produce, you know, I still there's somebody who's financing it. So I have I have to answer to or at least interact with the financer, but a lot of times I am given free reign to do what I want because I deliver the movies. Um, but yeah, I've had very bad situations where somebody was really heavy handed and, you know, looking over your shoulder and a pain in the butt. And I've had, you know, great experiences like on Invincible where I'm given the money and I go out and make my movie. Well, and I mean, speaking of, of uh, delivering the film, I'm curious, how does it work when you sell the film to other territories? Are there particular territories and countries where you go first because it's easier or does it matter? Um, it depends. I mean, a lot of my movies are pre-sold in where we'd get a domestic a USA distribution commitment and then they, they're sold, sold territory by territory. I mean, there's a concept called MGs, which is minimum guarantees. So, you know, I won't use an exact example but let's say there's a million dollar movie and a lot of times i'll get a minimum guarantee of five hundred thousand dollar international and then you know five hundred thousand domestic sometimes taking a tax incentive on top of that so you maybe you're dealing with 1.2 and 1.3 
And so the structure of it is, is sort of like, you know, it's Daniel's really plus an action script plus this cast equals that. And that's a pretty predictable formula. Um, so there's some structure in that. The, the thing that fluctuates is, is the cast. So some cast sells more, some cast sells less, and then you kind of reverse engineer back into the budget what what makes sense and also what commitment the the you know foreign sales company or territories or the domestic distributor will get you for a minimum guarantee. And there are other situations where people will fund a movie with cash with no pre-sales and make the best possible movie and then go out and sell it from there. So anyways, I, I mean, you know, pretty much we I like to anchor with a domestic North American minimum guarantee. If, you know, if we can do some pre-sales and some gap in tax incentive in some situations, you know, when I'm shooting Louisiana or Mississippi or, or um, Winnipeg, for example, with tax incentives, and that will fill out the budget. Um, I love it when it's just a cash deal where somebody's got cash and we can make the movie we want and make it look great. Um, but a lot of investors understandably want some protection for the money. And therefore, you know, we work with sales companies or domestic distributors to give minimum guarantees. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing that up because that's always been one of the yeah. many things I've always, <laughs> I've always been very curious about. Um, Ask me anything. It's cool. <laughs> so now you have worked with Mr. Dolph Lundgren now five times on five different projects. Is that right? Yeah. How would you describe yeah. those experiences? Um, they've been great. I think, I think Dolph really does care about the movies. Um, some actors I've worked with don't care. It's obvious. I mean, I don't want to name names, but some actors are just in it for the money. And then others are committed to making really good movies and they show up every day and they want, they want the best. And, and Dolph definitely wants the best. He wants to make the best possible movies under the circumstances or budgets or whatever the limitations are. Or creatively, if there's no limitations, he's always going for it. And he's a very smart guy. Obviously, you know, his intellect is well known. And um, so you do get into discussions with him. And, you know, I tend to hold my own with discussions with anybody. And Dolph is a smart guy and he's persuasive. And, you know, a lot of times his idea prevails. And But if I've got a good idea or suggestion uh, and he likes it, then, then that idea wins. So, I think it's merit-based with Dolph, um, not ego-based. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's he's on an upswing right now with, obviously, Aquaman and Creed Two. I mean, I think he's solid. So I've really enjoyed work, working with Dolph Lundgren. Is there a particular one of those projects that stands out to you more than the others? I mean, I know that uh, you worked with him on, well, obviously, the upcoming Acceleration, uh, Blood of Redemption, um, Shark Lake. Any of those uh, projects that, that stand out for whatever reason? Um, I mean, I guess in some ways, uh, of course, Acceleration is fresh. And I I, I worked directly with Dolph and basically, although there was another director, Michael, um, who was solid and did, you know, a lot of work, uh, pretty much Dolph and I worked directly together, and including in the prep and choreography with um, Arnold Chan, my fight choreographer, we we went and, uh, before the shoot and, and choreographed some stuff and worked together as well. Um, and that was great. And I really did enjoy working with Dolph, um, you know, and, and, and it's cool. So that was fun. But I think in some ways Shark Lake is memorable because it was such a difficult shoot. 
And that one, I was a producer and actually line produced it as well, um, physically line produced it, which I don't like to do because it's very, very hard. <laughs> I mean, not that producing or directing or writing isn't hard, but line producing like in Mississippi in the in, at the time of freezing cold, a water movie, um, you know, uh, night shoots and soaking wet, you know, getting pools and having flats and pools and you know, uh, underwater photography and everything that entails a mechanical shark, a $30,000 mechanical shark and dolphin. <laughs> and, you know, um, that was hard. So, you know, Dolph was tough and, you know, he, he, he was game for it all, but it was a grueling shoot. And I mean, I could just remember sometimes, you know, starting, starting the nights and it was the first time feature director. So, some of that was difficult. Um, we'd start nights, shoots, and then, I mean, like at sunset or whatever, get a sunset shot. And if that shot was missed, we'd literally, like, shoot all night long and then shoot the sunrise for the sunset the next morning after grinding it out in the water all night long. And that that was very, very hard. Um, I remember just looking at Dolph because we had, like, all these ambulances. Like, we had this scene that was supposed to be sunset. And it was just, like, after all night long. And we just all had to power it out and it it was hard so i I mean but you know i again i respect dolphin he's a tough guy and he was right there with us um but that one's the most memorable the other the other movies i was the executive producer on um and so i was less you know i said i said hi to dolphin on set but i was a little bit less involved There, there are some movies that i set up in different ways whether it be getting a distribution deal or money or, you know, so I was a little bit less hands-on. I think Shark Lake and Acceleration, I was the most directly dealing with Dolph and on the other movies is more of an executive producer putting the projects together. Um, so, and, you know, I hope to work with Dolph again. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think he's great. Well, you know, you've gotten to work with and direct some of the um, some of the biggest heavies, I, I feel, in the action genre today. I mean, we talked about Dolph Lundgren, but you've also worked with Steven Seagal and Luke Goss and Marco Zarrar. How would you say those experiences differ than uh, than working with Dolph Lundgren? So, like, in other words, working with uh, a legend like Seagal, how would you describe that experience? Um, you know, how does that differ from working with someone like Dolph? Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, you know, Seagal is at a different point in his life right now. Um, he did with Asian Connection. He really did want to make a good movie, um, and you know, he was committed to that to that role. Um, it might be controversial, but I think he was a little bit miscast in that movie. I I was surprised it was one of these things where um, it was presented to me in that role. I thought he should have played another role, which I pitched. Um, because for me, I would like to have seen him in more action. Um, so I think it was cool. And in the Asian connection was very financially successful. It did great. Um, but you know, I, I guess I'd say maybe I'll work with Seagal again on something, um, where it's a better fit. And I'm talking about my own movies. I'm just kind of being blunt about it, but, um, I don't think he, that character had enough to do in the movie. So, um, um, but also, um, uh, Michael Jai White was in that movie too, 
um and he was great and you know i i like michael a lot and um you know michael michael is an asian connection and that was one of the guys that you didn't mention who super super committed to making great movies and solid as well well i mean and speaking of you know all these action guys yeah so um and I know you already said that uh, you, you can't speak too much about it, so so I'll be <laughs> I'll be respectful yeah. of that. But yeah, the upcoming um, acceleration. I've also seen it referred to as the driver. But is acceleration the title that it is going to be? That it that is yes. is definitely going to be okay. Yeah, um, I think it was a driver while we were shooting it, and that ultimately it was acceleration. Um, I mean, I guess what I, I don't you know. There's some things on the internet about it already, and you see the poster and the cast. I, I guess I could speak on just sort of working with the other actors as well. I mean, I, I, I really loved working with Chuck Liddell. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, and and fighting UFC, obviously ex champion. He was great and really cool. And and Rampage Jackson in the movie, I directed him as well, and um, he plays a different kind of a character. Um, and he was really good. His acting was solid. He came in one way, and then we talked and worked on the scene and the character. And I think he's a really amazing actor. So those, I mean, those three stand out: Dolph, Chuck Liddell, and um, and Rampage Jackson. And then Danny Trejo as well is in it. And I've I've done three or four movies with Danny Trejo. We've been friends for a number of years. In fact, he shot with me in Thailand on my first movie about nine years ago called the Lazarus paper. So it was great to see him as well. But Michael handled that scene more than me. But my, Danny Trejo is awesome. I mean, he's, you know, I, like I said, I've worked with him several times. I love Danny Trejo. He's one of the best guys in the business. Well, I noticed the film also stars uh, Sean Patrick Flannery and also, I mean, McCarty kind of mentioned it, but Marco Zarrar is also in that one. Is that right? No. <laughs> oh, he's not. Okay, well, I saw some pictures where he was he was on set. Maybe was he doing yeah, some body he, choreography? He in, okay, it's funny. He came and visited me on set, and we took the pictures. Oh, okay. That rumor was around. I think actually maybe even somebody put him up on IMDb, but he's not in that movie. No. Oh, he's he was, not. Okay. Yeah. So that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Marco came and visited, and um, yeah, not in the movie. Well, can you tell us is Dolph in fact the lead in that particular one? I can't really give you details on it. No. <laughs> um, you know what, though? I will be happy to refer you to the producer, Natalie Byrne. And Natalie both starred in as, as the female lead and um, and produced it. So it's a little bit premature for me to be talking about it. But like I said, I, I can give you what I gave you on working with the cast, which they were solid. And those guys stood out. And, and I mean, all of them. And actually, you know what? Jason London is in it as well. And he's he's an amazing actor. You wouldn't um, – I don't know if you'd think that way or not, but I had a certain impression of him. But he came in and did a really fantastic character. And I, I was like, damn, that, that guy's a great actor. So Jason London is a solid piece of the puzzle as well. Well, it looks like a great ensemble piece. I'm really looking forward to it. I know it's a little premature to ask, but can, can we expect a release for that one here in the next year, I'm, I'm hoping, or – I believe I, I I think I can say this, but um, I hear it's screening no, in November. That's the domestic um, release in November of 2019. Okay. So um, if you would be so kind, let me just. What I'll do is um, I'll put you together with Natalie, the producer, 
and she could fact check some of this stuff and, and she really should be speaking on behalf of the movie, not myself. Okay. Well, I'll get in touch with her. If that's a yeah, I'll put yeah. you guys together if you don't know her already. And you should definitely okay. interview her because she did a great job. <clears throat> not only did she act in it, I mean, literally, like, she was grinding it out in the middle of the night to to the morning and helping the art department, like, put the house back together after we, you know, did shootouts and fights. Like, she acted and produced and worked all night. And, you know, at 7 in the morning, she's, like, with the art team. I'm like, go home. Stop. You know, put that down. <laughs> But so I'm proud of her and her hard work as well on the movie. And she's somebody you should interview. Well, and with regard to, you already kind of mentioned these other couple films, but um, I know that they are, uh, well, they're obviously in post-production, seeing a release here soon, but both Invincible and Hollow Point. I actually just checked out the trailer for Hollow Point the other day. Both these films look look pretty awesome. I mean, any fan of the action genre is going to be enjoying these films. Are you able to tell us anything about those two? Absolutely. I mean, those ones are done. I mean, so that one, I mean, again, I'm in post, uh, uh, I'm post and invincible, but that, that one's done. I can speak on that and, um, and hollow point as well. <clears throat> I mean, basically hollow point, you know, shot in LA like exactly one year ago. Uh, I, I just saw the, the UK releases in July sometime. It's on Amazon. I haven't, I, I just, somebody sent me the Germany key art as well, by by the way, Natalie Byrne is in that as well. And they put her on the poster in the Germany for some reason. But anyways, um, yeah, Luke Goss, Jay Moore was fantastic. You know, he's known primarily for Jerry Maguire and his comedy, but he plays a gangster in that movie, and he's solid. I mean, like, frightening. I think he's a very, very diverse, entertaining, interesting actor who I want to work with again. And then, you know, Bill Duke, obviously legendary from Predator, et cetera. Um, he was great to work with and uh, – and then uh, Roger G. Smith, you know, American Gangster. All, he's doing another movie with Spike Lee. Um, I've known him for about 20 years, and we finally got to work on this as well. Luke Goss, who I worked with on Crossing Point um, briefly, and um, yeah, he's super, super committed to – I think his acting right now is the best acting that he's ever done. He was super, super committed to the to the role and making it great every day. And we really, really worked well together on this one. On Crossing Point, he came in and kind of was a day player and it kind of came and went, but we really worked hand in hand and hardcore, like grinded it out together. So Luke did a fantastic job on Hollow Point. Um, Delange uh, is kind of the Mr. Nice Guy in the movie. Um, you know, his, uh, it's obviously you watch the trailer, his family is killed and, He's, you know, professor, and he has to figure out if he's going to do things the legal way or not legal way. And he gets caught up with this team of vigilantes, which includes Juju Chan, uh, Luke Goss, Michael Pere. Um Michael's fantastic as well. We're doing some other projects together. Michael Pere, um was interesting because I, when I first came to Hollywood from La Jolla, I remember the first summer I saw him right after Eddie and the cruisers in um, streets of fire. And I saw him in a diner. I didn't talk to him or anything. And it was kind of the first movie star I ever saw. And then I, you know, I told him that like, you know, 25 years later or whatever, like, dude, I saw you in Hollywood. Like when you're in your twenties, it was cool. Or, you know, or whatever, however old he is, but he, he's awesome. He's stellar, stellar actor. Somebody I'm going to work with a lot. Um, and then Kirk Fox is known as a comedian, um, primarily, but, uh, He's got an interesting cameo as well. I grew up with him in La Jolla um, and 
it's good to work with him. Again, he's a comedian, but he plays a dramatic, interesting role in the movie. Um, and Malaya Rose uh, as well is in the movie, who is an up-and-coming actress. And, I mean, it's really cool, a really cool ensemble cast. Um, but the leads really are, are Luke, DeLon, Deejay Chan, Michael Perret, and Jay Moore. Um, and then and Natalie, Natalie Byrne and Roger Smith, are are detectives in it as well that are sort of tracking down these vigilantes, but I'm I'm really happy with that movie. It's a very diverse cast and um, a solid piece of L.A. crime story action. Well, it's funny you mentioned Michael Perret because yeah, uh, when he pops up, you know, it's really cool. He has uh, on camera on film. He has gotten to square off against uh, within the past ten years. Uh, Steven Seagal, uh, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Scott Atkins recently. So, so yeah, anytime he's on screen, I'm thinking, okay, he's he's going to be a heavy and he's going to be a pretty good one here. So, <laughs> yeah, Michael is a great actor. Um, he actually came to Thailand with developing a, a script, a project called Black Warrant, that is his original story. And after we worked together, I'm like, you know, let's 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 do some more movies. And he pitched me this idea. And I thought it was great, so I brought in my screenwriter, Glace Lamone, who I've done lots of movies with, I think eight movies or nine movies now. And we developed it together. And then when he came out to Thailand, we did this sort of road trip together along the coast, and it was really cool because he was reading the script. Like, I was driving, and he was reading the script that we were developing. And he's, he's like, very, like, Brando-esque um, to me, particularly as just a stage actor. And so having him read it, driving in the car uh it was cool we spent like like i said about a week together um and he was it was great I, and we just fine-tuned the script and we've got a lot of interest and that's a movie that i'd like to make either later in the year or early next year um with michael prey and there's another possible there's kind of a a lead against him and sort of a two-hander and then you know obviously other castable roles but michael is a fantastic dramatic actor and somebody I want to work with for years. Well, and, and you know, obviously you are an extremely busy guy, um, and you have, have a couple films uh, in post-production, but is there anything else on the horizon that you're looking at doing or anything that you're at liberty to, uh, to talk about or no? Um, we're close on doing another movie with Marco Zor called Affinity. Um, we're casting that. It's, it's going to be shot in Thailand. We're casting the sort of name leads against that. Um, I'm hoping to do that. Um, in the next couple months, not 100%, but close. There's another script I developed um, called The Best Man that I wrote a story for, and Alex Russell, um wrote the screenplay, and um, that one's very close as well. We're casting that. So if I'd guessed it would be The Best Man and uh, Affinity would be my next two movies. And then there's some things that I'm writing that are just um, anonymous writing gigs that I'm doing in between. Well, like I said, I'm finishing up the post on Acceleration and Invincible, which should be done soon. Cool. Well, hey, Mr. Zarelli, I really do appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to speak with me and, and talk about these films. And, uh, uh, no yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much, and, and best of luck to you uh, here in the next year. I'm really looking – I think to, uh, the 2019, uh, what we have left of 2019. But, uh, yeah, this year and the next year – um, I'm really looking forward to all these films. This is going to be pretty cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it as well, and we'll stay in touch and be happy to do an interview later when I can talk more about acceleration, et cetera. But um, anytime, and uh, thank you to whoever's listening. Uh, appreciate it. We need the support of the fan base, support action movies, and 
uh, you know, looking forward to making more movies for you guys and talking to you again in the future. Thank you.